Welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Be Back Link podcast. This is Julie, and I am here with Megan, and we are so excited to be with you on another Wednesday. Um, it's kind of fun, like rock and roll again with the podcast and hearing all sorts of people's stories. And today we interviewed somebody in each time zone in the United States. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're in one. And then this is a uh, our guest today is from Kansas City, and so we're really excited. I, I love the Midwest. Everyone thinks I'm crazy, but maybe it's because I haven't been there in a winter, but I really love the Midwest, especially like in springtime. I just perfect to me. I love it. One day I might, I don't know, if I ever get to be rich and get to have multiple houses in my own house there in the Midwest so that I can have a nice springtime there. But anyways, today we're talking with Carolyn, who is... An incredible woman. She has a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and she lives, like I said, in Kansas City. She's a senior marketing manager, and we are so excited to hear from her today. But before we do that, Megan has a review of the week for us. Megan, do you want to go ahead and share? Yes, I do. This is from Homeclaw90. It says, I listen every single day. After a traumatic cesarean with my first baby five years ago and multiple miscarriages in between, this has been a breath of fresh air. As I await my chance to have a VBAC this October with my second, I love every story I hear on this podcast, and it makes me feel so much stronger in knowing that I can do this. And I want you to know that it is, let's see, it is this, she had this, she posted this actually last July. So I was going to say, yes, you are strong enough, but home cloud 90, if you're still listening, we want to know how things went last October. Please, please follow up with us. Yeah. We love hearing updates. I like hearing like people come around for circle, like, oh my gosh, Megan, like we just, uh, this week it's mid June now. And, uh, I had a Facebook memory show up. Our very first podcast episode was published four years ago. Um, I guess last week, so it was like the second week of June and it's so crazy to be like four years. Like some people have been had one or two babies, like, and have been listening to our podcast and have had one or two babies after they started listening to our podcast. It's so crazy to think that we have so many incredible stories coming full circle now. And it's just fun to have been on this journey with you guys for so long. I, I love it. You are tuned in to the VBAC link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. Feedback moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust feedback preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their feedback. Although these episodes are feedback specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Okay, so we're going to get to Carolyn's story. And um, I just love it. I just skimming through some of her show notes here. And I just absolutely love it. Like how she talks about just like asking for what you need, ask for the tub room, the nurse who has, who is more feedback friendly, the last place, the last thing you want to be is surprised in the hospital room. And yes, oh my gosh, ask for everything. And I can't wait to hear all of the incredible things that she asked for that helped her get her VBAC. So Carolyn, do you want to take it over and share your story with us? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. Thanks. All right. Well, yeah. So really for me, you know, seems like forever ago, but uh, in July, 2018, 
um, when I got pregnant for the first time, luckily had a very easy time getting pregnant, really easy pregnancy. And actually my sister-in-law was pregnant at the same time. I'll probably reference her a couple of times. And that was super helpful to me. She had previously been pregnant and her pregnancy actually ended up in a C-section un- unplanned and you know not, not her ideal labor. So I feel like I thought I had a lot of lessons from her and spoiler alert, she ended up getting her V back with her second pregnancy. I actually had a home birth. She's super amazing. So I feel like going into my first pregnancy, I was like, I, I got it. Like I know what to do. I have a leg up even. And so I, you know, I did all the things I ate the dates. I drank the tea. I did prenatal yoga, all, all the good stuff. And I was interested in doing an unmedicated birth. I wasn't like super anti-epidural, but I, I hoped, you know, I just wanted it to be normal. You know, you see movies and you see TV shows, like that's what you expect, right? And for me, you know, the day after my due date, my water broke. So I think I actually like laughed out loud because it just seemed so ridiculous that like that would happen. Um, I even like made my husband come look at it, like look at the fluid on the floor, which is gross. But, you know, I needed to show somebody. I had an OB appointment that day. So we actually just went in. It was like, at eight in the morning. So it was really fast from when that happened. She confirmed, yep, amniotic fluid. I was only one centimeter dilated. And she was essentially like, you know, go home, get labor going, keep me updated. So we went back home and I couldn't believe this when I was writing this up. I was at home for 10 hours before we even like (laughs) made a move to the hospital. Those contractions, they were just kind of on and off. We went on a walk, we made cupcakes, we watched a movie. Um, At some point, I was kind of getting frustrated, like, you know, my water broke, I didn't want to be in a situation where it had been a really long time. So actually, I went to my chiropractor who I'd been seeing throughout pregnancy, she also does acupuncture. So I actually went to her during labor, which is kind of wild, got that acupuncture, which was bizarre, I'd never done it before. And that was the first time I'd ever had it. So I sat on kind of the birthing ball in her office with all the needles and everything. And sure enough, I went home and my contractions were consistently five minutes apart, four minutes apart. Around 10, my doula came over and, you know, I should have, I should have picked up her vibe. She was very relaxed, very like, I see what's going on here, but I was very antsy to start going to the hospital. Of course, you know, huge thunderstorm right when we left. So we live really close to the hospital. We got there and I was only three or four centimeters dilated. So I was kind of like feeling meh about that. I wished it would have been more, but you know, it is what it is. I labored in the room for pretty much most of the night, eventually got in the tub and that was amazing, really relaxing and, you know, continue to help me progress. I got out about five in the morning and uh, my OB came there. I was like nine centimeters, a hundred percent effaced. So I was feeling super awesome she did let me know that I actually had a second, I didn't even know this was a thing, a four bag of waters. So even though my water had broken, there was still more. And so she, you know, asked my consent to break it. She's amazing, by the way. I will say that a hundred times. And I said, yes. So she broke my water and 
basically broke my water. And I think I peed in the hospital bed like five times consecutively. So I don't know what that was, just, you know, the, the warm water or whatever. So I'm just like profusely apologizing to all the nurses, but sure enough, you know, that, that did the trick and I was at um, 10 centimeters. So I was so excited that I'd made it that far unmedicated. It was feeling really positive about labor and everything, despite, you know, painful contractions and everything. She did let me know that he was still pretty high up. And so, you know, wanted to have me breathe through the contractions for another while before I started pushing. So then, you know, spent another several hours, all types of positions. And, you know, around noon, I started pushing and I actually did try um, nitrous oxide, which, you know, put me in a good mood, but it didn't really help me that much. And really, you know, I think around 2 p.m., I've looked at the clock and I just started saying, this isn't right. What's going on? You know, how could this be? I've been at 10 centimeters since eight in the morning and it's 2 p.m. Well, yeah, I, I just did not understand. And it's not that no one was sharing with me information. It was just, it was just kind of stalled. And I was starting to act like a little bit crazy. You know, each contraction would come and I was like, bracing the hospital bed saying like, don't make me do it. Just kind of getting crazy. So I kind of talked about the epidural and my husband and I um, had actually made a safe word so that he knew I really meant I know this, is, this is real. I really want the epidural. So I did get that. And yes, absolutely. You know, helped me rest. I took like a two hour nap, able to also let, you know, my husband and my doula rest as well. So now it's 4 p.m., my doctor came in. I believe I told her like, I could do this for hours. Like I am renewed. Let's rock it. So they turned that epidural down and I pushed for another two hours and really, you know, my doctor, she's very straightforward, but you know, extremely empathetic. And she basically said like, he's, he's not coming down. Um, I think she said he was barely at like a plus one and I didn't fully like know what that meant, but I knew like in my heart, like this, it's not happening. You know, I, I asked her about forceps. I said, what about the vacuum? Like all these things, I'm just asking her, like, is there anything left to do? And she was not pushy at all about C-section. And, you know, we started to have that conversation of like, is this the direction we're going to go? And, you know, for us, the baby was not in distress. I was not in distress. It wasn't an emergency, but we talked about it for another little bit and finally decided this is this is the right thing to do. It's It was 8.30 p.m., kind of almost two days later um, from when my water broke, basically. And, you know, as they do, they move really quickly. One, I think, uh, bright star in the C-section <laughs> process. Um, the Actually, the anesthesiologist was super nice. I feel like sometimes I hear a lot of stories, people don't have friendly anesthesiologists, but really friendly. We had to kind of negotiate to have both my husband and the doula in the room. And I felt really strongly about that because I wanted someone with me, but also someone with the baby. So, you know, after the baby came out, my husband went with the baby and my doula kind of stayed up with me holding my hands and everything. But actually the anesthesiologist also asked me if I wanted any music and played a particular song that I was very into at the moment. And so I always remember that as just kind of a good moment. Once they started the C-section, I was really uncomfortable and really, really not feeling it. I, w- I wasn't, 
wouldn't say I was screaming, but I was making noise to the point my doctor kept asking me, you know, are you okay? And I just said, I don't like it. I, I just, I don't like this feeling, kind of the tugging and the pressure and all of it. Afterwards, you know, I even asked one of the nurses, I was like, hey, was, was I like a little out of the norm? And she said, yeah, it was a little hard to concentrate. So, oh, oh well. But my son, son came out that evening at 920. He was healthy, everything great with him. I was so anxious and shaky. I knew I wasn't, I knew it was not a good idea to hold him. And honestly, I was just mentally feeling so out of it. I actually asked the anesthesiologist to just like calm me down and fully knowing that meant just like basically give me a little, little something in there that's going to make me fall asleep. And I did for about 20 minutes. So at the end of the night was, you know, was able to hold my son. You know, I hated missing out on that, you know, magic hour right there, but I knew it also wasn't, it wasn't feeling right for me to take him until I was a little calmer and a little, you know, less shaky, less, less manic and all of that. So that was my C-section story. I was pretty upset about it afterwards. I actually even remember watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy, like three or four days postpartum. And there was an episode where someone doesn't know she was pregnant and like gives birth in an emergency, just vaginal unmedicated birth. And I was just like, so upset, had to like turn off the TV. So I knew right away that I did want to try for a VBAC. And like, luckily, someone had recommended the Facebook group and the feedback link podcast. And like, I, I feel like, like so many people say on here, um, and now I am too, you know, I listen to like every single episode on my daily walks. Like I was just kind of obsessed with VBACs, I feel like in my second pregnancy. With that, you know, I, um, when I got pregnant again, my doctor, again, she, she reiterated, you're a good candidate. And I actually didn't change anything. I had my same OB, same doula, same hospital. And I feel like that's pretty uncommon. I think a lot of people who don't have the experience they desire with a C-section, you know, maybe it's because they didn't have a supportive doctor. Maybe it's because they didn't like the environment. Um, for me, that, that wasn't the issue. He, he was just stuck. And so I actually kept with a lot of my, all of my providers really. And I did make a couple of changes. You know, I still did all the same, same things, you know, the, the dates, the yoga, the tea, probably the biggest change I made, thankfully or unthankfully due to the pandemic, I was working from home. So I went on a walk every single day and I was active my first pregnancy, but I feel like the walks are really they were really intentional for me and they were really um, a good like grounding place for me to fit just like be in my pregnancy. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're working, when you have another child, it's hard to be like, hey, I'm pregnant right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or even just focus on it. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So like whether I was listening to the VBAC link or music or, or whatever it is, just like it gave me that little 20 or 30 minutes a day of just like, yep, this is for me. Something else that I got tipped off to, I think on one of your podcast episodes was something super specific within spinning babies. I know a lot of people love spinning babies, but for me, because my son with my C-section was just in such a bad position, Mm -hmm. I got kind of hyper-focused on 
on that. And one of the things they talk about in spinning babies is this rest smart or flashlight test, which sounds kind of weird, but it's, you know, it makes sense when you hear it explained that basically your belly button either should be pointing out or down, right? Not ever up. So when you think about sleeping or sitting on the couch or working, I, I was like super obsessed with this. Like I was watching TV on the ball, but my whole pregnancy, I was not laying down. I was not leaning back. I wasn't reclining or anything. And as silly as it may seem, you know, who knows if that made a difference or not, but you know, baby certainly ended up in a good position. So that was, that was one thing that was probably like a little abnormal that I kind of hung on to. Well, and- I will just tell you, you're not alone because I did the same thing with my, my son. In fact, I didn't even sit on a couch for nine months. Oh like, my God. Legitimately didn't even sit on the couch, like sat on the floor, cross-legged, like pelvic tilted up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was totally me. And like driving very proper. Yes. Right. Yes. So I think we went totally on a road me. trip. We went on a road trip at one point while I was pregnant. And I think I stuffed like two or three coats behind me. So I was almost like leaning forward in the car. <laughs> and I was like, this is ridiculous. But if it works, you know, it's only weird if it doesn't work, as they say. Well, um, and like, if you don't do it, and then there is a thing, then you're sitting there questioning, well, what if I would have done it? I know, I know. That's where my mind went anyway. So no, I'm the I'm the same way. And at that point, you know, it's not like it was causing me pain or I wasn't frustrated by it. I was just like, this is what I do now. This is how I am. So yeah, yeah. You know, and there's an end in sight. So I didn't mind it too much. Other things I I did towards the end, I did do the curb walking, which actually just sort of funny. My neighborhood, all of the streets are sloped. So there's actually no curbs really. So I had to either drive or walk a pretty solid distance to get somewhere that had real curbs. So I always ended up in like a parking lot of some office park or, you know, somewhere weird. And people are like, what's this really pregnant lady doing walking around? But loved the curb walking. I did like the forward leaning inversions. And then the last week of my pregnancy, I was starting to get really anxious. Um, You know, my, my doctor was not pushy about induction at all. Like she, I don't even think the word came up, was not concerned about me going over. And I was a day late with my first. I didn't know obviously what was going to happen to my second, but I started to get really kind of in a bad rabbit hole of negative thoughts. So one of the things I actually did, no, no hate to Facebook and, and all of the, all the good things that you find in your Facebook groups, but I actually like muted or left all of the pregnancy, birth, mom, all the things that I followed on Facebook, on Instagram, I I did stop listening to the podcast for the last week. It was just like too much information at that point. And I was starting to get so anxious about things not ending the way I wanted. Um, you know, that's which, not a bad thing to unplug. Yeah. It's, I actually encourage that to my clients. I'm like unplug from social media, from people who may not be providing you support, like just unplug. It's okay. Just be with you, your body and your baby. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was actually really helpful. And it also let me enjoy, you know, the last couple of weeks with my son, you know, is the last time that he's going to be our only baby, you know, your whole world's going to change when you bring home, you know, the second one. So that was 
That was really nice too. I'm laughing thinking back on that phase because he had just turned two and I'm, he's, you know, three and a half, three and a half now almost. And a very different child at three and a half than he was from two. Uh, two is just, you know, little sweet, big brother. I'm like, now he's, you know, solid in the, in the toddler phase. So I went, I did go a week late uh, this time. And again, I tried to just like tune, tune everything out. And what's funny is again, with working from home, I didn't have a reason to really stop working because I wasn't commuting to work. I wasn't going to like end up in a situation where you're at the office going into labor. I was at home. So every day I just kind of logged off being like, mm, maybe this is the last day. And on on the day that I had the baby, I woke up to like a pretty strong contraction. You know, I, I've been having some, but obviously none that ever came to anything. This one felt a little different. I did say something to my husband. I was like, you know, I don't know, but I'm I'm feeling this one. So I kept intending that morning to go upstairs to my computer and like start my work day. And I just kept, you know, having that subconscious nesting feeling, I guess. I kept, you know, oh, I need to tidy this room. Oh, I need to do the dishes. Like, I don't even know what I was doing. And then I would be constantly interrupted by these contractions. And my husband was working from home as well. And I didn't even really notice it at the time, but I'd already started to like focalize through my contractions, making like a fair amount of noise. And, you know, he's like wrapping up his last meeting of the day. Meanwhile, I'm downstairs like making scary birthing noises. So apologies to anybody, you know, who's on that call. But we similarly, actually, I had a scheduled appointment that day, but we actually called to go in sooner. So we went in um, to my OB's office around 10. I probably scared half the people in her waiting room because I was, I mean, fully like in labor, like pacing around, making noise. It was not not a pleasant person to be around. (laughs) And even when we left the house, though, I said to my husband, I said, oh, you're grabbing the bags? And he was like, "Um, yeah, we're grabbing the bags. We're not coming home. We're having the baby. And I just like kind of was in disbelief. And when I got to her office, you know, she was joking with me. She was like, okay, are we having a baby today? And she checked me. And this was actually my first check all pregnancy. Again, this OB, she is so amazing, like does not push checks. I know that was something actually when I started listening to your podcast, I didn't even know there were OBs who push for checks that are not necessarily wanted by the patient. Like I didn't know that was a thing because my OB never did that, never even brought it up. And so I, you know, feel lucky that I never ended up in that situation. Again, if if it's something people want, you want it. But for me, I I don't want to be checked unless I'm being asked to and it's necessary. So she checked me and I was already seven centimeters dilated. I was like in complete shock. I was so happy. And, you know, she confirmed, okay, yeah, uh, you're definitely in active labor. I'll meet you at the hospital. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, we're going right now. One thing she did, she called ahead to the hospital. So I got to be a direct admit. So I got to skip triage, which is just amazing. Um, at least at this hospital, great hospital, great nurses and, and staff and everything. Their triage situation was just so unpleasant for me with my first son. Like, tiny, tiny little room. You're just getting poked and prodded and it's just like really unpleasant. So I just got wheeled all the way to my room. I actually got the last room that was available. It was a busy 
busy uh, Labor Day, I guess. It was a busy night. Yes, yes. Uh, Yeah. And got the last room. And actually, when we got there, I realized it was the same room, same room in the hospital that I had my son. So I was like, okay, I don't know if that's a bad sign because he ended up in a C-section or just like a good sign that like this is, you know, the same room I was in. You know, and I haven't confirmed this with my doctor, actually, but she must have told the nurses when she called in that I was a patient who was wanting an unmedicated VBAC because when I say no one mentioned the word epidural, no one mentioned any interventions, any drugs, anything. And it was so amazing. I feel like I was really worried about having to fight or having to like push back on nurses who don't know me. But uh, like she must have told them because like that was just like too, too good to be true. And something else kind of funny about the room. So on the whiteboard, you know, the nurses had put up sort of the standard like goal number one, healthy baby, goal number two, healthy mom. And my husband actually erased it. And he wrote goal one, healthy baby, healthy mom, goal two, baby out vagina. And we like died laughing. And I took a picture of it. I, I think love I love po- that. <laughs> I think I posted it in the Facebook group because I was just like, yep, mm-hmm, that is the goal. Um So my doula came in. This is now like 11 a.m. This time I got to use that wireless monitor, which was super cool and much less uncomfortable than the other type. And same kind of deal. She, my doula drew the bath for me. It was really relaxing. But these contractions, I, I could tell were getting stronger, faster. It was just progressing much more quickly. And at about 1 p.m., that wireless monitor was like being a little iffy. They also wanted me to get out to pee. So I got out at 107. They checked me and they were like, okay, you're you're pretty much fully dilated, but my water was in the way because this time my water hadn't broken. So again, my OB asked if it was okay to break my water. She she did. And I gave them a warning. I said, okay, warning. There might be a lot of with fluid just based on how I was last time. And sure enough, same thing. Like, an absurd amount of fluid came out. The nurse is like calling for more towels and I peed both on the bed and on the ground. I'm just a pee machine. I don't know. So after that, you know, she confirmed, yep, you're, you're fully dilated. And I tried to go to the actual bathroom to go pee. But as soon as I sit down on the toilet, I was like, mm, this is what that feels like. That fetal ejection reflex, that, this is it. And like the panic on the nurse's faces when I said, yeah, I'm not trying to push, but I am pushing. They were like, get out of the bathroom right now. And, you know, I was relieved to feel that because I never really got to that point with my son. And this whole time I kept wanting to say to my OB, like, can you just tell me there's no going back now? I'm getting the V back, but I was too scared to jinx it. And I didn't want to, like I said before, she's really straightforward. So I didn't want to put her in a situation to have to tell me like, hmm. No, it's not looking good, actually. So I came out of the bathroom, started pushing, tried a couple different positions, um, and eventually kind of switched to like a sitting up throne position. I don't don't know if that's really what it's called. It It was a lot more comfortable for me. And they had all these like kind of like handlebars and little props for my feet to go in. To me, it felt like it was taking a long time. But I could tell from the reactions from the nurses and from my doctor that things were progressing in a good way. You know, their reactions were really excited and, you know, they were, everyone was encouraging me and, you know, I was nervous, but I was so excited. And at some point I was pretty much holding my breath while I was pushing. 
And so I could see them getting the oxygen ready. And that kind of freaked me out because that, you know, was not something I'd gone through with my first uh, labor. And I feel like actually maybe from listening to different podcasts, I know that in some cases that's a sign or it's something that they do when the baby is in distress. So when she gave me the oxygen, I was like, oh my gosh, is the baby okay? And they were like, no, 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 you just literally need oxygen. And I'm telling you, before I knew it, everyone's screaming, grab her. And I'm like, what do you mean grab her? And sure enough, like there she was. And I just like pulled her out and up onto my chest. And I was like, in absolute disbelief, like that we have a video and I just am saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I just, I really pictured it being a lot slower of just, you know, one push and then another push and then another push. But really it was, at least to me, felt like one big push. And, you know, she was perfectly healthy. I held her almost for an hour before they even took her to go really give her like the full checkup. I did have some pretty severe tearing, um, which was not ideal, but like, I'll take it. I feel like I had nurses and, and other people be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, like about the tearing. And I was like, literally, what are you talking about? I, I do not care about that. I got my V back. My baby is like perfect. Everything is, is great as it should be. I mean, that night I like did not even sleep a wink not because of the baby. I was just like so happy. I just kept like reliving the day. And I mean, truly like it was everything I, I wanted it to be. And it just made me so happy. I feel like it, it made me become a little like VBAC spokesperson because whenever I see someone that I know who's had a C-section, I'm like, did you know you don't have to have another C-section? There's, you can do something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I need, you know, I need options. little options. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm like, I need little cards to pass out. But yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. So so grateful to the podcast and to the Facebook group and you know, friends and family and my husband and doula and OB and everybody, but like just amazing experience and um, you know, something obviously I'll never forget. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny because one of the other episodes that we were just talking about, like, yeah, this is fetal ejection, like talking about that. And like, you just said that word again, too. And I'm like, it is so crazy how some of these babies just come out like that. <laughs> you know, yes. and we have other moms that push for hours and hours. And it's just so crazy how different our bodies and pelvises are. And, but they all still usually come out. So that's what we want in the end, right? It's a baby. Yes. <laughs> what can we be? <laughs> Baby. <laughs> yes, but huge congrats though. Seriously, like so awesome. So happy for you. And we are so grateful that you were with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbacklink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.